1: It is Thursday, September 8th, a day that will go down in the history books. And this is People Every Day.
2: I
0: declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service
2: of our great imperial family to which we all belong. God help me
0: to make good my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it.
1: Hi there, everyone. Janine Rubenstein with you. Here at People, one of the most prominent people we've covered and chronicled over the more than 40 years this brand has existed is Queen Elizabeth II, one of the most iconic figures of both the 20th and 21st centuries. As long as we've been around, if she did it, we've covered it. And in her 96 years, she did a lot. And as awkward as it feels to speak in past tense about a woman who spent 70 years on the throne, I must. Because today we've learned that London Bridge is down. Or in other words, the queen has died. Buckingham Palace released a statement this afternoon that read simply, The Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon, referencing the royal estate in Scotland. It continued, the King and the Queen consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. The new King, as referenced there, is her eldest son, Charles, who, along with his siblings and her grandsons, William and Harry, rushed to be by her side after he and the world was made aware earlier today that she was in dire straits. And His Majesty the King released his own statement shortly after news broke. It reads, The death of my beloved mother, Her Majesty the Queen, is a moment of the greatest sadness for me and all members of my family. We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms, and the commonwealth, and by countless people around the world. During this period of mourning and change, my family and I will be comforted and sustained by our knowledge of the respect and deep affection in which the queen was so widely held." And here is what newly minted British Prime Minister Liz Truss shared during a press conference in the wake of this news, marking the first time the world hears former Prince Charles referenced by his new official royal name. Take a listen.
2: But Queen Elizabeth II leaves a great legacy. Today, the crown passes, as it has done for more than a thousand years, to our new monarch, our new head of state, His Majesty King Charles III.
1: Now, the Queen's death comes after a year of various health issues, including a COVID-19 diagnosis in February and a host of cancelled engagements that had so many on edge for this very moment. And here we are. Today, we are dedicating our show to this sad and monumental news and bringing you into the fascinating life and times of this icon as only people can. Let's dive right into the latest developments. Well, to start off, we are going to go to where it's all happening to the UK. And to take us there is Simon Perry, our chief foreign correspondent, who has been covering this monarch for us for so many years. And you can just set the scene for us, Simon. Thank you so much for being on with me.
2: Um, oh, you're welcome, uh, Janine. Yes, it's a somber day, as you may be seeing with various pictures and so on going around that crowds have been flocking to Buckingham Palace to almost like sort of be near things as it were, near a sense of the Queen since shortly after lunchtime when news broke that there was concern for her. And yeah, I'm sure that will carry on now in the, next, in the coming days and build and build through what will be a mourning period, of course.
1: This is just a huge uh, seismic shift in news, of course, for today, but I would say in the world. uh, How are you feeling?
2: It's um, a strange day for us over in Britain because yet she's the only monarch, most of us, certainly anyone under the age of 70 is known. And if you were a child, you know, when her father, King George was on the throne, you're really not going to remember too much. So this is a woman who she's iconic around the world or was one of the greats of the 20th and into the 21st century. There aren't many women who've been a head of state, let alone a head of state for as long as she has. And for us in Britain and many around the Commonwealth, she was queen, of course, for 14 other countries. They're um, going to be mourning someone who has been a fixture in their life, whether it be something trivial like, being on all our stamps and being on our notes, uh, our banknotes, and so on, through to just being the sort of center of national celebration when things are going well. She's always there as the sort of beacon of the country, right through to days when there have been difficulties in the country, such as war and so on. She straddles those moments of the last seven decades, and that's obviously going to leave a big hole.
1: Absolutely. So, what we have right now is her family that had come in to say their last goodbyes. What will these next few days look like as this kind of plays out for the royal family following her passing?
2: Well, we'll see the new king, which is quite hard for me to even get my head around saying for the obvious reasons I've just said about a change that's that's going on. Yeah. King Charles will be pronounced in the next day or so formally and We will see him getting to possibly going around the country. This is a grieving uh, man, the eldest son of the queen, but while also having to take on, of course, the duties of his mother and become the monarch and become the head of state. So he will be very much front and center, touring the country while also being very closely involved with the planning and the execution of her funeral in in about 10 days.
1: What does that look like? We have 10 days until the are there events leading up to that? Or, you know, I mean you guys are just coming off of the platinum jubilee. So uh, how how does this all play out?
2: Well, um, it is all planned, as you say. It's tinkered with over time. The plans may be different from what they were even a year ago because she and the former Prince of Wales, Prince Charles, will have been involved in those. But in broadly, yes, it'll be about 10 days before there's the funeral and there'll be days of public mourning for that period and following it too. But suffice to say, yes, most royal funerals are the state celebration of someone's life have all been... Um, plan for many years, and they will gradually unfold in the coming days. Got it.
1: And so when you talk about the monarchy, you talk about the queen, specifically in the UK, there are two sides to that story. She has this kind of overarching, you know, grandmother kind of figure over there. But there's also the political aspects that get brought up saying, do we still need a monarchy? Does that all of that noise kind of quiet down at a
2: time like this? I would think it would. Britain's quite a conservative country with a small C. And obviously most people's minds will be thinking of you know, the grieving family that she's left behind. Whether arguments come forth in the coming weeks and months about whether we have a different kind of system and whether we have a different king or whatever, I suppose, might emerge. But at the moment, I'm sure most people's thoughts will simply be with the loss of her and the fact that the family are grieving. Most people have said, and they continue to say, that she has been the epitome of a constitutional monarch, someone who you don't really know what she's thinking all the time. She's there for advice and to guide possibly the prime minister of the day and the politicians, but she's not a political figure. And she's trod that path very, very well over the years, which has made her a very successful monarch.
1: Well, while I have you, what are are your fondest memories or the ones that stick out the most. Uh, You've been covering her for so long. There was just that huge platinum Jubilee celebration. I'm thinking of it now as a celebration of life. We didn't know that it would be that at this point, but it, it kind of seems like she got her flowers beautifully before this happened. But what, what are the memories that stick out to you about the Queen?
2: Well, it's it's funny growing up in the sort of 70s and into the uh, sort of teenager in the 80s. She struck me as being this dour, sort of very straight sort of figure. But in the last um, 10, 20 years or so, she sort of drifted into this sort of iconic and grandmotherly figure almost. And one of which has managed to sort of be a non-controversial sort of leader of the nation and that's the the fondness of people feel for her I think and I even among my children and their mates they they think of her like that mm. whereas I didn't think about her in that way when I was their age I think she's almost moved into that grandmotherly figure and I think the jubilee back in June really summed that up the sort of celebration of her as you know a interesting fashion dresser over many, many years, <laughs> right through to her love of dogs and horses and the sorts of things that straddle all of us rather than things that would polarize people's opinions.
1: How, how close have you gotten to the monarch?
2: I've shaken hands once at a at a, at a reception for the media. She literally just said hello, hello and passed me along to her husband, Prince Philip. Did we have a long conversation? No, we didn't. It was just hello and welcome or worse that that effect. But I've covered her in lots of different ways, and most recently in Cardiff, only about a year ago in October, it was a classic royal event, really. She arrived, walked quite slowly at that point, of course, in her life, getting frail, but walked perfectly well through the sort of people at the Welsh Parliament, went and spoke for 44 minutes or so at the podium, came away, met some politicians, shook hands and what have you, a little reception and then walked back out through the atrium of the Welsh Assembly, talking to community leaders and people like that who'd been helping out through the COVID crisis. And everyone said, what a wonderful um, mood she was in. She was thanking everyone for their service and so on. And it was a classic sort of moment, a classic sort of view of the Queen. It's what she does. It sort of spread a little love. It spread a little thanks for the nation, for the people who've been doing some good things through COVID and other emergencies.
1: Outside of passing on, you know, the throne, uh, what does that look like for a monarch? Not that we've been able to see it (laughs) because she's been around so long, but uh, you know, is it, you get this, you get this tiara, you get this, how does that work?
2: It's a good question. I think, and you touched on something very important. It hasn't happened for 70 years. And in the modern sense, in terms of news, it's never happened. And in terms of what you pass on and what, who gets what type of thing hasn't happened for a long time. Clearly, state-owned trinkets, we say jewels or cars, anything, they stay with the family and they're used by the family and they're used in a state way for the nation. Her own personal things, then I guess, yeah, that's down to her, how she passes them on. But I think people like Prince William, who's obviously a monarch to be himself, and, and next, he's basically moved up a notch and he's next in line to the throne, he will have learned other things, got other things from her, not non-material things. And as we understand, he was very close to her through through her life and she was very good at passing on things to him when he was in those sort of teenage life into his 20s when he was starting to realise this was his future. Yeah. And they became very close. And I think it's not too much of a stretch to say he models his royal life or his royal work on her. Simon,
1: thank you so very much for taking the time to be on with me. I know it is just pure craziness right now and covering all sides of this this huge news. So I appreciate the time.
2: Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon
1: coming up after the break we continue our conversation with none other than michelle tauber our editorial director of society and culture and royalty over here at people who will take us even deeper on the death of queen elizabeth ii and her legacy stay tuned
0: looking to step up your mother's day flowers the home depot has an idea
1: So we go now to the woman here who has been at the helm of this coverage and the helm of my view into the Queen's life, my entire time here at People, Michelle Tauber. She is our editorial director of Society and Culture, and she has taken the time to be with us on this momentous day. So, Michelle, thank you for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me on, Janine.
1: How are you feeling?
3: You know, overwhelmed overwhelmed. This is a monumental day, a monumental historic moment in time. This is one of those times where everyone, you know, processes these things differently. And for me, it's that combination of the journalist instinct to cover all the angles and also trying to take that step back and really kind of appreciate the scope and breadth of what this means for the world.
1: Absolutely. I mean, take me into some of your favorite memories covering her, covering the royals, just the ones that kind of make you smile to yourself that that happened.
3: You know, for me, there is no question that the moment with Queen Elizabeth was meeting Archie Mountbatten, her great grandson, who is the son of, of course, Prince Harry and Meghan, Duchess of Sussex. And this for me encapsulated more than any other moment, Janine the bridge between past and present. Prince Philip was still alive at the time. You had this couple who had been in the seat of the royal family, Queen and Philip, for decades, the most insulated family on earth. And here you see them welcoming the first biracial great-grandchild, the first Biracial member of the modern royal family in Meghan, Duchess of Sussex. And that photo of, of them welcoming Archie and Meghan's mother, Doria, there as well, to me, it struck a note that we'd never seen before from this family and from the Queen.
1: Envisioning that beautiful family portrait now of all of them standing there together, just as an American, as a Black American, that was just so iconic for me to see that.
3: (laughs) Exactly. It was remarkable. And then you start to think, wow, she was in her mid-90s when that happened. For me, that was a defining moment. Then, you know, it's almost as though what came before that in the Queen's life can really clearly be divided into sort of eras, Janine, right? Yeah, there's the young Princess Elizabeth who never expected to be Queen and, and as the world knows, only became queen um, because her uncle abdicated the throne in an event no one foresaw. And this sort of twist of fate sets up a completely different path to the rest of her life. And then we see the young queen, and then we have this era that many people associate with the queen before she became a grandmother and a great-grandmother, which is, you know, this sort of chilly, remote woman who was at a remove from her subjects and from the public. And it was really only in recent years that we saw this sort of warmth generated from her as a great-grandmother, as the matriarch of this family. And I think all of those shifts are significant, clearly, in her remarkable life.
1: Absolutely. And in tandem with so much of that history was her love, her relationship, right? Yes.
3: Yeah, she and Prince Philip were married 73 years. It was an remarkable love story, really, you know, unmatched, again, unmatched in the modern era. And, you know, it, it wasn't obviously they were until his death that, the, that their marriage ended. When Prince Philip died, there was certainly an awareness that the queen was losing an essential support who had been there throughout her entire reign, right? Because they were married even before she was queen. There was that sense, Janine, of how how will the queen go on and for how long? And I think there was an awareness that it would be a massive setback for her. And indeed it was.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. I got to ask you this because I get it all the time. I have people who know that I work at people and they're like, thank you so much for all your Royals content. And then I have people who know I work at people that are like, why do you guys cover the Royals so much? What is it about not only this family, but the queen in general, because there is just such resonance here.
3: It's a legitimate question. I mean, listen, and it has some different answers, whether you're living in the UK or you're living in the United States, it's a different perspective, clearly. The answer I would say for the queen in particular is that this was a woman who was a living witness to history. So this is a woman who was under the tutelage of Winston Churchill, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, right? There is no one on earth who has had a more more of a front seat to the evolution of this planet of historic events than Queen Elizabeth. From meeting every president with the exception of one, to again every prime minister during her reign. To my gosh, I mean, Janine, she was there. She was, you know, there when the bombs were dropping during World War II. I mean this she was alive this is she was a young princess being sheltered at Windsor Castle and then later serving in the British military my answer in a nutshell is she is she was indeed a living witness to history and there's no end to the value that we can place on that because there was no one like her
1: yeah absolutely and th- and there was also no one who I saw in the royal family that dressed like her. You gave me this great anecdote one time for one of her birthdays, we were talking, and you talked about the significance of that, which I did not know at the time, but take me back into that.
3: Sure, so one of the things that people may not realize about why the queen dressed so colorfully, sometimes people call it her rainbow dressing, and you can find a photo of her in any hue of the rainbow and then some. Um, And the reason for She wanted to make sure that people in the crowd could always spot her, right? She recognized there would be C's uh, fans and the public wanting their moment with her. And she also recognized not everyone would have the opportunity to be up close. So she decided early on to dress in these really bright colors so that wherever someone was in the crowd, they could spot the queen and have their moment, say they saw her. And she recognized Janine, what that meant to people, I think, again, this speaks to your earlier question, well, why do, why do people care? This is more specific, of course, to the UK. She is indeed an emblem of national pride, national heritage. There is a feeling that she is their grandma in chief. She's a guidepost for certainly much of her country and also much of the world. Yeah.
1: And when, when the hats are off, and, and, you know, and she is just relaxing, be it at Windsor or Belmarat. Or what was she like behind the scenes? Because we we have been able to really glean that, I feel like, you know, better than anybody else of, of what it is like inside those doors.
3: It's really interesting because for a woman who is so formal and everyone who would meet her would have to panic about, do I curtsy? Do I bow? How do I do it? Right. She was actually behind the scenes, just a country girl at heart. She was not the woman in the tiara with the sash and who would make everyone panic about you know, their manners. Behind the scenes, she was in her muck boots. She was happiest on her horses. As you know, she was happiest with her dogs, her beloved corgis. Really, many people say that if she hadn't had the twist of fate she did in terms of her uncle abdicating and her father assuming the throne and then her father dying so young and suddenly she's thrust into this role she never anticipated and likely never wanted, she would have been, I think, similar to her daughter, Princess Anne, who lives on an estate with as many animals as possible, rides horses every moment she can, and frankly feels more comfortable with animals than with people.
1: Just to think about that other life for her is so, so interesting. Take me into the now. Take me into who's left behind and, and what these coming days, weeks might look like, but what will this look like for the Queen?
3: So the Queen's death, unlike Diana's obviously, has been something that has been the subject of intense preparation. I think there's no question that when you have a monarch age 96, there will have been years of preparation for this historic moment. It's not something anyone would ever want to leave to chance or last minute Planning. So with that in mind, this will be a rather choreographed coming weeks because, again, th- these things will have been well planned. So I would expect that you're going to see the new king, King Charles, making many public appearances as he sort of greets his new subjects as he meets with various leaders from the country, from outside the country and the people. It's a, it's a huge enormous shoes he's stepping into, left by the Queen. They, she may have been tiny, but her shoes were vast. So he'll be stepping into that publicly. There will be a period of formal mourning. You can expect to see, obviously, canceled anything else that was on the royal family's agenda, will now be off for the you know immediate future. There will be extensive funeral plans underway, and I think we can expect to see that funeral you know, probably a little more than a week out. It will be a global event attended by world leaders, of course, the family. And lastly, I wanna make sure everyone understands, there won't be a coronation anytime soon. So that's a question, Janine, a lot of people have been asking me, when's the coronation? Just like as when the queen's father died, there was there were quite a few months elapsed before her coronation, same here. This is a transition period. I, that's probably the best way to think of it. There's there's mourning, and then there's the transition, and then there's the new era.
1: Wow. It's something that, again, you said we knew was going to happen. It's kind of surreal, even though it did uh, for me. I, I, I know that's weird to say she was 96, but that's just how it feels.
3: It sounds silly, you know, Janine. I mean, you and I are Americans. We're not um, loyal subjects of the Queen. And I'm not even sure everyone in the UK is a loyal subject of the Queen. She's certainly had her share of controversy. I mean, honestly, she has. And there's, there's a lot of questions around the role of the monarchy in the modern world. But I would just say, again, when someone is a fixture in your life, even from a great distance, not to get too like metaphysical about things, Janine, the signal of the, the shifting of the tides, right? And I think that's always emotional. Even the most cynical hearts among us, I think sometimes feel the, feel the pull of those things.
1: Michelle, thank you so much for for taking the time and Godspeed. I know you guys got a lot, a lot to do on the Royals team, so I appreciate you. We appreciate
3: that, Janine. Thanks so much.
1: Well, what a day. We would like to once again thank Simon Perry and Michelle Tauber for joining us on this whirlwind day as a reminder you can find round the clock coverage of the queen's death and the royal family's actions on our website at people.com and on our social media channels we will of course update you with any new developments with the queen and the royal family on tomorrow's show thank you all for listening to this special episode of people every day